0: Ecclesiastes 11, 1 is where we're going to be starting today. Um, so today I'm going to talk to you about, surprise, building runways and landing planes and bread and monkeys. Sound pretty good? Um, now, we've done a three-part series. Well, we will have done a three-part series after today because I'm doing part three today. Um, but kind of on accident. Because if you remember, like two weeks ago, I preached a message uh, that we called John the Runway Model. Talking about John, Jesus' cousin, and how he came and prepared a way for Jesus, or he created a runway for the Jesus plane to land, if you will, is kind of how we looked at it. And then, as you know, I was out of town last week, uh, and Doug was going to be filling in, and Doug called me, last week before we left or he sent me a text and said hey i'm really feeling like god's speaking to me i'm i may do a part two of your message I feel like god's showing me some things and i may do a part two and i was thinking and that's kind of weird because i was i had some stuff that i didn't get in and i was thinking that god was telling me i should do a part two when i got back and so i was like okay well cool you do a part two and then i'll do a part three And then we said, well, we'll pray about it and see what God says. And then, so yesterday on the plane on the way back, we didn't have phones the whole time and all that. So on the way back, I got to listen to Doug's message and see that he indeed did do a part two. And it was very good. I got some good stuff out of it. And uh, I tried to find that out one day when we, we got Sky on the phone. He was the only one of the kids we ended up talking to this week because of timing and only on an island, all that. We talked to Sky and I said, hey, Sky... I'm thinking about and trying to do some studying on the ship. I need to know if this is a part three or a part two. Um, so did Doug do a part two to my message about landing planes and building runways and stuff? This guy said, no, it wasn't a part two, but he did mention that stuff. So I wasn't sure. <laughs> but when I listened to it, I saw that it was a part two. Um, and And so last week, Doug asked you about... Talked about expectations. He asked the question, "What are yours?" Um, He talked about Indians too. If you didn't hear it or you weren't here last week, go to the podcast. Now we have a podcast. It's really easy to listen, um, so you can go to iTunes and put in New Horizon Worship Center, or just go to your little podcast app, and they're on there every one since Easter. So from now on, they'll all be on on podcasts. So if you didn't hear it last week, go back and listen to to part one and part two. This will be part three. Um, one thing that I, I heard Doug said last week that I liked was if you're not sure where your runway is, help someone else clear theirs. Go help somebody else clear their runway. Show up on Wednesday night with a screwdriver and a hammer and help in the playground. There are other runways that you can help with. So we started by looking at John making a way, clearing a runway, John the Baptist, or- J the B. And he was part of the greatest story on earth. I mean, the Bible, the greatest story, the story of Jesus. John was a pretty big part of that story. And I was thinking about that this week. He wasn't even there for any of Jesus' miracles. He wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross. He wasn't there when Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't there for all the big stuff, the important stuff John John wasn't even there, and he got to be a huge part of the story. He gets credit for all of that. Why? Because he made a way. He made a runway. He was a big part of God's story on earth. Well, what's that prayer team doing in here before service? Walking around. Creating a runway. Clearing a path. So that whatever plane God's trying to land trusting that I've seen a plane that we're going to try to land in here on Sunday morning. What's the prayer team doing? They're clearing runway. They're getting ready. Talk to you about a runway that maybe you haven't thought about or a way that you're connected or a part of something that you may not even think about but you get credit for in the spirit. The Blake House. You know what the Blake House is. It's it's a program that men suffering with all types of addiction go through regeneration program and we're a part of that i speak there once a month is my regular scheduled thing so i spoke there a few weeks ago it's the first monday of the month so it's been a few weeks ago and it was just kind of right after easter and me and dylan went and we led them in some worship and uh we had a powerful service with the guys and a lot of them were by the end, a lot of them were in tears and we served them communion Dylan played music while I went around and served each man communion and it was just a powerful service and a powerful move of God with the men in Blake House but it wasn't because I showed up and, and threw a Jesus plane at them it, that doesn't work I've tried it and failed. That, that's not how it works. Oh, there's a plane. You heard it. Oh, there. you can't just run in and say, hey, here's the word and throw it at somebody. I didn't show up and just throw something at them. That's not a good or an effective sermon. I started by pointing out a plane, pointing out something high, we talked about jesus said my thoughts my thoughts are higher than your thoughts my ways are higher than your ways there's there's something high there's something up there you know it's a bird it's a plane no it's see at first it's just pointing it out it's just seeing it up there it's seeing the plane it's seeing hey there's something high you you start out by by pointing it out and then with the help of air traffic control aka holy spirit The hope is that by the end of that sermon or that talk or that message, you'll land the plane in their lives. It'll hit home, it'll come where they are. That's the plan. That's what happened at Blake House. I landed the plane. It's when something high comes down to earth. Remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about when the spiritual meets the natural. It's like when heaven touches earth. When love lands in hate. When freedom lands in prison. When healing lands in sickness. The father finds the orphan. When purpose lands in pain. When God became a man. And when the light of the world was abandoned in darkness to die. I'll give my life to land as many planes as I can. But if you give money on a regular basis, you're supporting the ministry by coming up here and putting money in the offering plate. Guess what? You get credit for that plane that was landed at Blake House because... I spent 40 hours studying the message that I would go up there and speak to those guys about sitting in my office and praying and writing and reading and looking up scriptures and because I didn't have to be at the mattress factory for 60 hours because I got paid to sit there. And you were a part of that. You helped clear the runway to land that plane for those guys in the Blake House. Guess what? We've, we've pledged to support Blake House every month as a church. We give them a support check and we bought a table at the banquet. So this year in 2018, we'll give almost $5,000 we've pledged to give to them to support them financially. You're a part of that. So every man that walks out of there with freedom from his addiction and becomes a part of the kingdom of God and furthering the kingdom, you get credit. Because you helped clear that runway. The other cool thing is, Dylan was with me. He took off work. He played music and sang and got the guys into it and got them up clapping and singing and, and cheering. You know what that is? Preparing them, preparing them so that that plane could land. Dylan was clearing the runway hard for those men. And then he sat there playing just like he's doing right now behind me picking the guitar. You know what he was doing? Clearing the runway. That's what him and Bo do every Sunday when they're sitting up here helping me because I can't do it by myself. They're clearing the runway for me. They're helping me. Hopefully you guys like it too. But for me... Dylan gets credit. He's clearing the runway. It's a sacrifice of his fingers. But it helps me land the plane. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. Check this out. This is a really good scripture right here. I don't know why I've never preached on it. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Well, I want to find a big piece of soggy bread. So I've determined this is a duck feeding verse. All right. When you go feed ducks and you cast water, no. So you can find a big piece of soggy bread after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree fall toward the south, or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. No kidding. (laughs) No, whatever, Sherlock. (laughs) If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. Uh, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. What? I, I read that, and I read it to Jesse actually on the cruise, and we were like, okay, cool. Um, but if you do some more digging and studying on this and what was going on in that time and when Solomon wrote this... uh. When Solomon wrote this, he had built an amazing shipping enterprise, bringing things from all over the world back to Israel. What did they have to trade? Well, I'm glad you asked. Israel has always been an agricultural phenomenon. And at this time, they were really good at growing and they had lots of grain wheat, bread. That's what they had a lot of and that's what they were really good at growing at that time when when Solomon wrote this. So Solomon would fill ships with grain or bread and they would go all over the world and trade it for all kinds of things. They would come back with a ship full of spices, monkeys, peacocks, ivory, gold, and I mean, we know if we, you know anything about Solomon, he had some crazy decorations and the temple that he built and the lifestyle that he lived was just, well, where did he get all that stuff? Sending out the grain, sending out the bread, throwing it out on the water, and then all this amazing stuff would come back that they didn't have. Whole boatload full of monkeys. How cool would that be? Or maybe Not. <laughs> He's talking about sowing and reaping, letting go of what you have so you can have more. Remember, Scripture tells us that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I like how he said, Many days cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. What does that mean? It's not immediate. When you sow a seed, you don't get an immediate harvest or return on your gift. He said, many days. There's no genie. not, Not my aunt, the kind that's in a lamp. There's no genie that says, poof, what do you want? Here, pow, there it is. There, you can have it. There's not even a guarantee. That if you send it out, it'll come back, or something else will come back, or more will come back. There's no guarantee. Why? Well, stuff can happen on the water. You load up all that bread and all that grain in a ship and you send it out, there's not a guarantee stuff can happen. Like maybe, I don't know, a kraken. Pretty sure we saw one this week. A pirate. How about storms? Especially back then, ships went down. There's no guarantee. It's a risk, just like giving, serving. Why are you giving your life to them? They don't care. Why are you doing this? Why would you give all your time working for free up at the church? You could make a little more money. It's like tithing or clearing runways there's no guarantee when you risk the sea or when you cast your bread on the water but there is a guarantee that if you don't risk or sacrifice your bread your grain what you have then that's all you'll ever have if you don't take a risk you're not willing to let go that's all you'll ever have do not get a monkey. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Keep your bread. So, as I was studying that and thinking about that, then I was thinking, wait a minute. So, for pastor's appreciation, you guys all chipped in and you took your bread, which was us, and you put us on a ship and cast us out into the sea. See, hopefully, more came back. I don't know. Something different. Maybe I'm more like a monkey now. I'm darker. Look at how the Message Bible words this same thing we just read. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 4. The Message Bible says it like this. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. Kind of like what Tracy was talking about this morning. When the clouds are full of water, it rains. When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. Hmm. He's saying, be generous. Don't just keep what you have. Build runways. Oh God, send a plane. God, send me that plane that I need. And God says, make a sacrifice. (laughs) Build a runway. Create a place for the plane to land. I like what Doug said last week. If you got the plane you want, you'd never need faith again. The plane that you're asking for, praying for, be everything you'd ever need. You'd never have to trust God for anything again. You know there will be no faith in heaven. Kind of a weird thing to think about. Why would there, Why would you need faith in heaven? You can see everything. You believe everything. You trust. You know everything. Like, there's no point. Faith is for here. Use it or lose it. There will never be a right time to give or sacrifice. never. Noah would have never built the ark waiting for it to make sense. He never would have done it. God, I'm not going to build a runway. I know Pastor Dusty's been preaching about it and Doug brought a message about it. Now Dusty's hitting on it again. I've, I, I'm not going to build a runway because I've not even seen a plane. I hadn't even seen an airplane. Guess what? When I stand in my backyard down here at the end of Old Pleasant Hill Road, I don't see very many airplanes. And when I do, occasionally, they're real far away. They're not drawing nigh unto my yard at all. If they are, there's a problem, there's something wrong. Like, there aren't planes, but yesterday afternoon, I was at the Atlanta airport, and there were a lot of planes, and they were close, and some of them were circling, and some of them were big, and some of them were little, and some of them were, had super important stuff on them, I imagine, and some of them, maybe not so much, but there were tons of planes. Why? Why? Because someone took the time to build runways. Someone made a place for those planes to land. For the stuff on those planes to land. Like, somebody had expectations. The vision, years and years ago, to start building this thing. And it's gotten bigger over the years. And they've gotten more employees. And they've added more airlines. And it's this huge place. And there's tons of planes landed in there. But... It's because a place has been prepared. Look at Luke 10 1. Luke 10 1. All right, so we saw at first that that John went before Jesus and he prepared a way. He made a runway for Jesus to land, and the Holy Spirit came like a dove and landed on Jesus. Now, Later on in, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus sends 70 people out to do the same thing that John did. Jesus takes these 70 people and he sends them out to make a way, clear the way, make runways so that I can land. And we'll, let's just read it and then we'll talk about it a little bit. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and he sent them two and two, before his face, into every city and place, whether he himself would come. So he sent them everywhere that he was going to go, and he sent them ahead of him to prepare the way. Just like John, clearing away, way, making a way for Jesus. Verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. What's he saying? Don't get distracted you got a plan. I need you to clear some runways. I need you to go ahead of me into all these cities. Go and prepare a way. Don't get distracted by all this other stuff or, or by people in the way and stop. And Verse 5 says, And unto whatsoever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this house. Speak peace first. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not... It shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. He said, if they give you something, receive it. They give you some food and some drinks and eat it, drink it. It's okay. Go not from house to house. Don't jump around and be all scattered around. Go go clear these runways. Find somewhere to connect and into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you each such things as are set before you and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. So he said, heal the sick. He told him to go clear runways and I'm going to land. Go prepare the way. Here's how. First thing he told him was go two by two. Don't try to do it alone. I don't want you running out there trying to do this all by yourself cuz you can't. You need other people with you. You need somebody else with you. Go 2 by 2. And don't get distracted. I'm going to give you three three of the major ways that you'll get distracted from building your runways. And you'll find yourself 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, and looking back thinking, man, I didn't land very many planes. I didn't create very many runways. I didn't bring Jesus onto the scene very often. Why? It's mostly because we get distracted. I'll give you three, three main ways. Uh, we'll call them uh, three weapons of mass distraction. Things that will distract you or keep you from from Clearing Runways. Number one, busyness. Busy, I'm busy. How you doing? Busy, 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 all the time, busy. We all are. We all get busy with all kinds of stuff, and some of us are busy with good stuff and bad stuff and not so important, like, could be all different things. So today, I want you to just take a minute and think about that. What are you busy with? And do you know you should be okay to just be? Like it should be alright with you to just be. You don't have to be just busy, busy, busy just for the sake of being busy. To fill your time with a bunch of other stuff. What are you busy with? Family? Work? Is it sin? Sin? Is that what you're filling all your extra spare? Any time you can come up, with? is it is it some kind of sin? Is it is it serving, giving? I mean, we can be busy with all kind of stuff, but if we don't set some boundaries or some guardrails, then we'll just become so busy that we're not productive in the kingdom. That we never make runways. We never clear a path for, for Jesus to land in our life. Well, how come it seems like God's always speaking to him? And how come it seems like when she prays that, that God always shows up? and Maybe he or she's clearing runways to land that plane. Not just picking out a plane 10,000 feet above and pointing at it. But making a way for it to land so boundaries are good. Guardrails are good. Have, have you ever seen how many times guardrails have been hit? Have you ever paid attention to it? Even like when you leave here, just getting right there on Waco, there's not even a whole lot of traffic. But look at those rails along the I-20 bridge, how many dents and busted out spots in the concrete there are, or dents in the guardrails. as you're Like how many times people have hit those? You ever hear people saying, like, dumb guardrail. I wanted to go off that cliff. Controlling guardrail is my life and my truck. I should be able to do what I want. No. I've never heard anybody say that. And I got some pretty crazy people in my family. (laughs) That was my life. (laughs) But... You don't say that. No, no, no. Life has cliffs. And you get to choose death or life. There are cliffs there. And you could set up boundaries to keep you from getting too busy. But it felt like God showed me something. Even in choosing life, you can choose one of two things. Because there are cliffs in life. Now, you can choose to put a guardrail or build a fence at the top of that cliff so that you don't fall off of it, or you can climb down to the bottom and build a hospital at the bottom so that when you fall off the cliff, you can get healed up and be okay. And most of the time, we go build hospitals at the bottom of cliffs rather than fences at the top. Those fences, that's your boundaries. By setting up proper boundaries and setting up those guardrails to keep you on track and keep you headed down the road that you know you need to be headed down. Don't waste time building a hospital at the bottom. Yeah, well, if you've already fallen off the cliff, you need the hospital. Hospitals are great. Sometimes you jump the guardrail and I'm... But you can build fences at the top. Guardrails to keep you headed down the right road, to keep you in all of your busyness and your craziness, you can still advance the kingdom. You can still build runways. You can still land planes in the middle of your busyness. But you may have to set up some boundaries. So that's number one. Weapon of mass distraction. Number two. It's competing voices. you got to hear God's voice. If you're not hearing Him, you're not hearing... the him about the plane or where to clear the runway or or who to help or how to help or what runway, then it gets very confusing. You can have a lot of competing voices. The main one's probably right here inside your own head. You. You're the loudest voice you'll hear. You speak to yourself more than anybody else and you believe you 100% of the time. If you didn't believe you, then there's something like Hmm. <laughs> you believe you. Maybe it's your boss or your mama or your wife or your husband. What's the loudest voice? Sometimes we have to quiet down the other voices so that we can hear God. Those competing voices. Remember the prophet Eli, he, was, he needed to hear from God and there was a wind like a tornado. And he said, no. Nope. God's not in that. And there was a fire. And he said, no, God's not in the fire. There's an earthquake. No, God's not in the earthquake. And then a still small voice spoke. So I ask you the question, who or what is competing with God? What voices? I'll read you Hebrews 12.1 in the Message Bible. Plug into the source. If you hear God's voice, it'll recharge you. It'll refill your batteries. You know how when you let your cell phone go dead and you can't really do much with it? It's got no power, you only you barely got any battery left, or it completely dies and it's n- no use. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way or cleared a path, they blazed a trail, they made a runway. All these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Why? Because he's the source. It's like plugging up your phone and getting a good charge on it. You can recharge at the end of the day. Competing voices. If you'll plug into the source and power up, No matter how draining the day is, you'll have the power to function. You can recharge. Number three, unprepared heart. Our hearts aren't prepared to receive what God has for us. He's always speaking. You come into a church service and and God's speaking. You go into a worship service and He's speaking. You read the Word and He's speaking. But if your heart's not prepared can't receive what he's trying to give you. You know, you can think about like if you got an important meeting to go to or something and you sit there and go through it in your head of what he might say and then what you might say or what that she might say or what how it might go or it might be bad or it might be stressful and you go through it and, and it has the same effect on your body as if you had gone into that meeting before you've ever even gone into it. The stress and the worry, and the, you sit there and worry about it and think about it and go. That may or may not even be how it turns out. Matthew thirteen nineteen says uh, it's where Jesus is given the parable of the sower and the seeds. And the first one is that the sower comes out and he sows seed, and it falls on hard ground, and there's no fruit, no crops grow. God is constantly trying to plant seeds. You know, I can put on some overalls and a good farmer's hat to protect me from the sun. And I can get me a good seed bag and a hoe. And I can come in here and plant corn all up and down right here with good seed and good intention and the right tools and the right clothes and some good work boots and know what I'm doing and be a good farmer and no corn will ever grow because I'm planting it on concrete I'm throwing it on hard ground an unprepared heart. What if you came in to a church service Ready to receive. Ready. What if a whole room full of people came in ready to receive what God had with a prepared heart? Believing that something was gonna be planted today. I mean, usually we come in looking to be carried. I'm lame, hoping somebody get me to Jesus. Well, I hope that worship team does a good job this morning. Take me where I need to go. Well, maybe, maybe not. A prepared heart is a humble heart. Knowing that you can't do it alone. Jesus said, go two by two. I'm going to skip ahead in that story and we're going to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 17. And this is after Jesus sent out the 70. And then Jesus keeps talking there for a minute about if they don't receive you, go out and shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next place. And, you know, don't let the bad stuff hurt you. And then he talks about a couple of cities that have rejected him and some stuff Jesus seems a little bit frustrated about. Then 17 is when those 70 that he sent out to prepare the way, is when they come back. All right, so they come back and they're kind of pumped Maybe a little full of themselves. They kind of got the big head because they've been out ministering in Jesus' name and they've been seeing some miracles and stuff like this. So, So, look what happens when they come back. Verse 17 And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Yeah, even devils obey us, even demons do what we say. They're pumped kind of getting big heads. They're like, yeah, devils and demons do whatever we say. We got the power. And they're singing and cheering. They got a couple of them, god guy back in the back singing, and they're all pumped up. Verse 18, look what Jesus said to them. And he said unto them, oh, yeah? I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's nothing. This is what Jesus said to them. I I, I saw Satan fall down from heaven like a lightning bolt. You ever seen that? I don't think so. I read that and I was like, man, I didn't know Jesus was like that. Jesus was a topper. You all know what a topper is, right? It's that person that you know that uh, no matter what you say, they they try to top it. Oh, I'm trying to get over this cold. Uh, It's nothing (laughs) I've had walking pneumonia for six months. I died three times and they brought me back. Okay. Well, <laughs> Boy, me and the family sure had a fun time at the lake last weekend. Yes, my father owns an island that we enjoyed for the last six months. Oh, well, it must be nice. That's great. So, you know what I'm talking about a topper. Everything you say, they got it a little bit better. Right? I got some more examples, but I I won't. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So that's kind of what Jesus was doing. They're like, even the demons and devils obey us, and Jesus is like, I saw the devil fall out of heaven like a lightning (laughs) bolt. Don't get in a peeing contest with Jesus. (laughs) As usual, he had a point. Look how the message translation says that same thing that we just read. It's going to help us understand his point. In Luke 10 18 through 20, we'll read real quick and then we're going to close. The message Bible says it like this Jesus said, I know, I saw Satan fall a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I've given you? Safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions and protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. And then Jesus goes on to rejoice and pray. It's about what God does for you, not what you do for him. It's a prepared heart. A prepared heart is humble. Not pumped up about what you can do and what power you've been given and what planes you've landed or however you want to say it. A prepared heart is always humble. A prepared heart remembers God. What we just read in Hebrews, it it reminds us to go over His story and it'll shoot adrenaline through our veins. It'll pump us up. Remember God and forget the pain. The Wright brothers the, you know the guys that they first invented the airplane, they, they were the first ones to get it to get something to fly. And uh, they invented their plane and it was this awesome feat and people made fun of them and said they were dumb and they wasted their time, they wasted their money and then they proved them all wrong. And uh, 1903, their, the Wright Brothers Flyer took flight. Now I heard this story last week that I thought was really cool that I've never, I never knew before. Neil Armstrong in 1969, when he landed on the moon, he was the first man to ever step foot on the moon and and walk on the moon and nobody's ever done it before. And it was this awesome, great thing. Neil Armstrong had a piece of the left wing from the Wright brothers plane In his pocket, when he stepped onto the moon, he had a piece of their plane, a piece off of their wing. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. A humble gesture to say, we're here on the moon, but we stand on the shoulders of the ones that went before us. I just did something awesome that nobody's ever done before. Never done it this big. But I couldn't have done it if the Wright brothers didn't do that. Because nobody would have ever kept building airplanes and then building rockets and then believed we could do more and then believed we could do more and more and more and more. He had that piece of plane in his pocket just to keep him humble and remember, I'm here where nobody's ever gone, but I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of people. I didn't get here by myself. He didn't get a big head. That's what Jesus was trying to tell these 70. Don't, don't. Come on. Don't get a big head. He had that wing in his pocket. Remember when Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do. We're going to do greater and bigger things than... Than him, But we have all these scriptures that we just read in Hebrews and, and Jesus telling the 70 and stuff, look back on what I did and remember you're standing on what I did. Don't let it make you think that it's about you or because of you. Two things I wanted to point out and I'm going to pray. One, there are pieces of wings in my pocket. and I'm reminded of those as I study this message cool thing is that some of you are pieces of wing in my pocket you've helped clear the runways you've done things before me you've prepared a way second thing is I want to be a wing in somebody else's pocket I want to help you. I want to help my boys build runways that can land planes that I could never land. I can do more than I could ever do. Man, if I can help you clear a runway and you can land a plane that I can't... Cool. If I can build a plane that can fly that could give you the confidence that lets you build a rocket... I want to be a piece of a plane in your pocket. Look at somebody and say, is that a plane in your pocket? I look in my pocket and I see Jesus first and foremost. But then I see Tracy bought me my first guitar and got me interested in worship and I look in my pocket and I I see my dad and I see Patrick and I see my mom and see I I mean I could just start naming a lot of you why they helped me clear runways Land planes in my life that I couldn't have landed otherwise. To see the plan of God in ministry, and I want to be that for other people. Help clear somebody else's runway. Be a piece of a plane. And remember the plane pieces that are in your pocket. It's not all about you. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, help us to cast our bread out on the water. Whatever it is that we've been entrusted with, whatever gifting and talent that you've given us, God, help us to release that. We know that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, so God... Help us to give of our time, talent, treasure, the things that you've given us because we see the truth that it'll come back. God, help us to clear runways for each other. Help us to get behind each other and to never think we're alone, to do it together. God, I don't want to be distracted from what you've called me to do. Things that you've called me to be. Help me to set up boundaries. God, ultimately land the planes in my life that are going to touch the world, that are going to leave a lasting impact. Let every plane that lands be full of Jesus. Help us to effectively share the gospel with the world. The world that we've been placed in. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us a place in your family. In Jesus' name, amen.